You are listening to a Core Awareness Seminar by Liz Cook. Her website is www.coreawareness.com. That's C-O-R-E awareness.com. Please note that Core Awareness is a trademark signature of Liz Cook, her workshops, seminars, books, and CDs. The information presented in the seminar is in no way intended as a substitute for receiving professional medical care. The design and purpose of the seminar is to provide information and to simply educate. The author and publisher shall have neither liability nor responsibility to any person or entity with respect to any loss, damage, or injury caused or alleged to be caused directly or indirectly by the information, suggestions, explorations, or exercises contained within the seminar or written in response to the seminar. The author is not a medical authority, and she is not qualified to diagnose or prescribe any therapy. The information is simply her personal opinion. Please seek medical care for whatever condition you may have. Okay, so uh, this is Liz Cook, and I want to welcome everybody. I'm going to get closer to my mic here. I want to welcome everybody to the uh, Core Awareness Teleseminar. Um, I do these not every month, but I do them fairly often, and then they turn into podcasts that we have um that you have access to online. So if you want to listen to this again, you can. You have a couple choices. You can either call again, or you can. Um, I'm. I'm. I'm uh, you can either call again, and you'll have a spe- you have a special callback number and email that I sent you. So you can use that to call back, or you can wait for it to be a podcast and you can share it with anyone you would like. So you have that choice as well. And um, for those of you who are new to this, this is uh, Core Awareness, and that's uh, www.coreawareness, and I'm Liz Cook, and I'm the author of the SOAS book and Core Awareness, Enhancing Yoga, Pilates, Exercise, and Dance. Um, the 30th anniversary edition of the SOAS is out now, and the new edition with photos with Derek in it, uh, demonstrating his what I call stocked in SOA stretch um, is in that book. So I encourage you to get that. And he came up with an amazing SOA stretch. So I'm uh, thrilled. I'm jealous. I wish I would have uh, thought of it. Um, but he did or felt it or sensed it or did it, uh, created it. But it's fabulous. And I use it on all my workshops. And I encourage you to check it out. And it's on my newsletter, um, demonstrated one aspect of it, but it'll be will be um, kind of describing it step by step in uh, core awareness. And a little more promo, we're going to be uh, at a workshop in New York together, and I'll give you some details at the end of the workshop, but you can also get those online at my website. So today with me, I have Derek Stockton, and I've actually interviewed him before. This is unusual for me to do twice, but it was several years ago, actually quite a few years ago. And I feel like it's time for an update. And so I want to introduce Derek Stockton. He's an elite 
Lifter. He's a certified personal trainer and the o- owner of Core Strength RX Gym in Scotts Valley, which is a private gym that focuses on personal training with an edge. Um, and they do an amazing amount of uh, variety there um, from cardio to weightlifting. Um, they specialize in strongman and Olympic lifting, powerlifting competitions. And they also work with the Special Olympics for power lifting. So it's an amazing place, and it's in Scotts Valley, California. And Derek um, has been an athlete, he's been a Marine, he's been a bodybuilder, and he turned to powerlifting, um, and he became a strength coach and judge. He's the author of a three-part series, Rehab and uh, Prehab, an Active Recovery Program, published in Powerlifting USA, May uh, and July, there's actually uh, three sections of it, 2010. Those articles should be online. Um, They may be uh, available, if not soon, as PDF. For those of you who just joined me, I'm going to try to mute you, but if you also star six, that helps keep the background sounds out. So please star six. And welcome, Derek. Thank you for joining me to talk about core strength. Thank you. It's great to be here with you. Yeah. So we're going to get started. And uh, for those of you who have just joined me, I'm talking to Derek Stockton. He's a power lifter. And the reason I I asked Derek to join me is that um, he is a living example of what I teach, and uh, which is that power comes not from locking down the core, but from facilitating its responsiveness and openness. So when I met Derek and I asked him to describe his psoas to me, he told me they were like uh, juicy cucumbers. And um, I was thrilled to hear that. Um, Because the idea that a juicy or hydrated core, a supple core, tissue that's responsive is the way core strength develops is not talked about in most gyms or fitness centers. It's all about locking the core down often. And so I'm here to talk to Derek a lot about um, how he got so strong. He was, uh, he's able to, uh, is it deadlift? Am I? My my squat was my. Your squat was 804 pounds. There we go. Yeah. So um, what what are you, five foot nine? Five, five, nine, five, ten, 200, 200 pounds. 200 pounds, 41. 43 now. 43, and so you squatted 804 pounds. 804 pounds when I was 40 years old um, without any steroids or performance-enhancing drugs. And uh, that's four times body weight, which is a lot of weight to support through your through your back and through your core. And um, I had to be very healthy to perform that lift. Um, not being in a healthy state, um, I would have... I uh, wouldn't have been able to do it, and I would have been injured in doing so. So, um, so you had to do a lot of work. So that's where we're going. So for even for for everybody, this is applicable. And so one of my first questions is um, the bottom line: people want to know is is how do you build one's core? How do you create a healthy, functional core? Well, there's lots of core exercises. I mean, there's tons of workout programs and DVDs and videos that you can buy about strengthening your core. Um, but that is only talking about so it's half of the equation. 
the where people are trying to get stronger or get tighter or or get faster or even more flexible um and these are all qualities that your muscles can exhibit um but what happens is on the other side of the the spectrum is the relaxed state becomes also tonic and tight with all of these these intense workouts and the relaxed state isn't as relaxed as it should be or as it could be. And so my paradigm shift began when my workout program became um, much more holistic in that I was focusing on movements to relax my core as much as I was working on movements to contract my core and thereby creating uh, more action potential, meaning my relaxed state was moved further back and my contracted state was moved further away. And now this contraction phase we have is much longer um, and healthy. Okay, so that's going to take us into something that you do that I think is very uh, different from, I mean, that whole concept is different from a lot of people's workout paradigm. And one of the concepts you work with a lot is this idea of rest versus restoration. So let's go there next. Okay, well, everyone needs rest. Um, and when we're young, uh, the, the rest can be enough. It can cause, you know, get us back to ground level and then, and then some. Just resting, you know, we would feel healthy all over again after that big hike or that big workout. Um, but even as a youngster, but especially as we're getting older, um, restoration becomes every bit as important or maybe more important as rest. And restoration will allow your body to have super compensation to you know, actually get have the potential to get stronger or have the potential to get, to get faster or to get more flexible. Um, so it's, restoration is, is, it becomes key in learning how to heal your own body. So let's differentiate. Okay, so rest is that kind of, you know, downtime, you know, just sleeping well and maybe, you know, just hanging around on the ground or... Well, um, also if you have an yeah. injury, yeah. You know, let's say you want to let that injured area rest and you don't want to put it under stress. And so that's necessary. And even in just general recuperation, having rest is important. But... Only so what's, so the, what's restoration? Okay, so, so let's so do this after, again. So yeah. after a little bit, that rest just becomes stagnation. Mm -hmm. So we need to do things to facilitate circulation and movement and relaxation in these compromised areas. And so, again, rest only will get you maybe back to ground level or so far. Then we need to incorporate modalities of restoration. Okay, so let's go there. Um, one of your modalities of restoration is the hydrate tissue. Sure. Okay. Definitely. So let's one talk about why is the hydration of, of tissue so important to strength? Well, if the tissue isn't isn't soft and supple and and hydrated, the neurology won't flow through it. Nerves won't flow through concrete. Um, and some of these areas of our body get so tight, like concrete, you can feel how the nerve conduction doesn't occur, and you end up with pain signals. And um, so... Okay, so that's one of them. And the other 
is you, you've touched on the nerve, the nerve of proprioception. So one of the unique things about work that you do is that you work with proprioception. Definitely. And proprioception, for those of you who that word is new to, is kind of our internal GPS system. It's our capacity to know where we are in time and space. It's how our nervous system informs us. And uh, nerve impulses are best And so the more supple the tissue, the better the nervous system. So you actually intentionally work with increasing proprioception. So give us an example of how you do that in your, your work or with someone who is learning to facilitate that. To create that supple state. One, to create the supple state. To yeah. create the supple state in someone's body, um, it takes more than just hydration. And hydration is very important. Um, you know, water, you, you mean like drinking Yeah, water. drinking plenty of water. Uh -huh. I mean, it obviously starts there. I mean, cut out the Diet Cokes and replace that with water, of course. Um, taking, you know, EFAs and different essential fatty acids to give you, provide your body with oil. Um, not dissimilar to a car needs oil. You've got to oil the machine. Um, so, but those are... What you've got to do is through movement and through relaxation allow that allow that viscosity allow that hydration to move into your tight areas of your body, which are those areas that you're harboring tension and have trigger points or adhesions um, these areas where if you're you're to get a massage or poke on it, it makes you kind of jump out of your skin a little bit and give you a jump reaction or a jump response. Um, we want to soften up those areas and soften up the signal that and the frequency that your body is harboring in that area. So the pain becomes your guide. Um, when someone's really injured, they want to they they think that you know they hate the pain. But what I've come to learn is you've got to befriend the pain. You want to use it as your guide to where you've got these tight areas of your body and where it is devoid of this kind of suppleness and viscosity that we're talking about. And so you learn to use it and finesse and coax the different integrative modalities into these areas to change the frequency that the neurology is sending through this overly tight tissue. That's great. Okay, so so let's talk a little bit about some of the modalities that you use to do that. Well, One is the roller. Okay, right? yeah, I mean that's the, the the foam rollers have become very popular. Um, mine sat in my living room for three or four years before I thought mm, maybe I should try to learn how to use this thing, and I did some of the normal movements that I seen online and read about and um, it just wasn't quite enough um, it wasn't offering me the freedom uh, uh, and relaxation that I was looking for and in reading Liz's book a number of years ago in fact I think maybe three or four years before we even started working together um, I started to use some of the positions I was learning about the psoas from Liz's book and incorporating these movements over the foam roller. So instead of just pressing my body 
against this rolling device and using it as a massage tool, I began to do movements, passive mobility movements over the roller for my sacrum, L-spine, T-spine, C-spine, and doing very passive extension and flexion movements, combined then with lateral flexion movements, and then doing lateral flexion with flexion extension. And these passive movements over the roller began to offer my deep tissue next to my spine a kind of relief and, 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 and a, a functional movement pattern that I had never had in my body before. That's, that's so amazing. And you use baths, too. You use oh, working in water every morning. I think, I think hot baths are, are fantastic. The, the, the but you work. just don't sit in them. You, you're no, working in them. Yeah, yeah. It's a, a lot of the same movements that you can do over the rollers, you can actually do in the bathtub. And, and that warm medium added to it some bath salts, some Epsom salts. Um, when your pores open, your body will actually draw those salts in and help the the, vis the viscous state of your tissue and the neurology flow through. So I think hot baths with Epsom salts are just a fantastic way to start to 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 break these tight cycles and start to soften the body. A hot tub is good too. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong, but a hot tub will actually leach salts out of your body. I mean, it's great to get in a tub and work your body in front of the jets, and that's another modality in and of itself. But to be in a hot bath and add some Epsom salts and allow your body to draw those salts in um, really is healing mm -hmm. and, and helps with the, the viscosity and the suppleness we're talking about. And then um, you also use some sound and breath and... and, and well, I think, I mean, it really, I think breath is huge. And, and you know, I think in any and most passive modalities, um, breathing needs to be paramount, or even the active ones you know, with weightlifting, the breathing is very important too. But to actually breathe and relax this tissue while you're moving and breathe into your body, um, there's a there's an art to it. Um, just that it was most with most everything, there's a there's an art and a science. And it's really the artful side of this process of learning to breathe and move and allow that oxygen to move into this tight tissue that's devoid of, of the circulation and, and the oxygen. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, uh, uh, breathing, I think, is just amazing. Deep breathing into your diaphragm. Um, but also adding, um, you know, different sound or different light therapies can be you know, really relaxing for your mind and, and for your body. I've been, with my acupuncturist, I've been uh, experimenting with bi-photon light therapy, and it's a very cool. It affords more a level of relaxation and, um, that I haven't quite experienced. I'm still, I'm just kind of new to it. And so, uh, but it definitely, I feel like it puts me in a trance. So... So it opens it opens a level of receptivity. It sounds like yeah, yeah, on, on a mental or an emotional level. Right, and so one of the ways I describe it is kind of like we, you know, when we have that tension in our body, it's like a dry sponge, and you know, you can pour water all over that dry sponge. It doesn't necessarily get absorbed. So you don't become porous. The tissue isn't porous. And what I'm hearing you describe is ways that you become porous, so your tissue becomes 
incredibly responsive, which means your neurology, your receptivity or uh, awareness of skeletal positioning, of, of, of the level of uh, effort you have to make, all of that becomes uh, kind of acute. You become aware. You yeah. become conscious of what it is you're doing. You're not just now meat lifting. Um, right. Yeah. So. It's, it's more than it's more than skin deep. <laughs> yeah. And the the yeah. sponge analogy is great. And there's a term called imbibation, and imbibation um, is just that. It's how would that sponge that that the water is just flowing over. How would you get that water to to go into the sponge? Well, we're going to have to. We're going to have to squish the sponge and start moving the sponge as that water is flowing over it, and it will start to absorb that that hydration. Mm -hmm. And that's how the tissue in our body will work as well. Um, in fact, I learned the term imbibation from a chiropractor years ago, um, talking about how to get the the spinal discs more hydrated, and the importance of having compressed passive movement and allowing this imbibation or movement of the, the discs like the sponge analogy and allow that to move and absorb the hydration and the oxygen and, and the fresh nutrients. And I think it, I, I believe it, it does it not just in the spinal disc, but this is, you know, this process for your our muscular systems as well. Well, you're living proof of that. You you have a neck that feels like a baby when you touch it. It's just incredibly soft, and and you're able to take, you know, like your quad and make it as hard as a rock or make it as soft as a bowl of jelly. Yeah, so sure. it's like the the ability you have in your musculature is just exceptional. Well, that kind of goes back to the difference of the having a really a really relaxed state and working on making your relaxed state more relaxed and having a good contracted state or a good uh, a good uh, even um, extended or ex flexible state and having a, a a nice wide gap between your relaxed state and these and these uh, um, contracted states or these states where your muscles are exhibiting um, what they can do um, if you're if you're pulling that relaxed state towards your contracted state, we're limiting our our action potential or what our body can do. And and so um, you know I'm always striving to not just get stronger, but to get more relaxed. So we talked about that cycle before we began this. You and I did about um, being you know a lot of the questions people ask are very symptomatic based. They're like trying to keep themselves out of pain. So let's talk about that of what you would call sympathetic versus non-sympathetic and that cycle that right. people get themselves symptomatic into. And, symptomatic and non-symptomatic. Yeah. Um, well, you know, we're hurting um, wherever it might be. It used to be my neck, which Liz, you know, cause she, as she can attest, uh, my neck used to feel like steel cords were running down through it. And um, I would be in these very symptomatic states where I couldn't sleep at night. Um, I just, I was in so much pain. Um, and so I would go maybe get an adjustment or go, you know, seek some therapist help and it might get me non-symptomatic and I would feel a little bit better, but it was a short time later, a few days, maybe a week or two, and I'd do something else and throw my neck out again and I'd be right back into that acute state. Um, 
we can either we can also call these clinical and subclinical states where you know you're feeling like man I really need to see somebody to help me out here and you know then you're subclinical you're not you know, you're mm-hmm. feeling better you're not there so how but, do you get out of the cycle well see I, but I feel people get caught in that loop mm-hmm. and you know you keep going back to for for uh, you know modalities of therapy on your body in that same state and so we want to be able to break this cycle and so learning how to incorporate what I'm calling self-integrative restoration, different modalities that we ourselves can can apply to our own bodies in very relaxing ways so that the next time you go back and you see that therapist, you're not in this acute or symptomatic or clinical state. You can, you're a little healthier than the last time you saw them. And so then they work on you. And then you go away and you're doing your self-integrative work of these different modalities that we will continue to discuss, like the foam rolling, but there's much in the hot baths. There's many more. Um, and so you don't keep going back and seeing this therapist in the same state and just getting a little bit better. And um, we actually begin to break this, this cycle, this loop. And um, on those days, I tell people that when you wake up and your neck feels great or your back feels great, that's not the day to skip it. That's those are the, those are some of the most important days to do some work on yourself because those are the days that we can start to get ahead of the game and really start to break out of this negative cycle or loop that our bodies have learned to be in. That's great. So so that's one of the strategies you use to go from being in pain to non pain. And um, and that changed the power of your body's response, right? Well, without a doubt. I mean, I became, I call it healthier with a capital I-E-R. And we can always strive to get our tissue in a healthier state. No matter how healthy you feel, mm-hmm. we can still work on getting healthier. And again, that paradigm shift for me, by getting my body out of pain and supple and loose and the neurology flowing, it then allowed me to do some of the big lifts and the strength feats that I, I was able to achieve. So how is that possible? So let's talk about kind of unblocking and unlocking the proprioception because how did you become so powerful? Most people think you've got to create this density to be able to be that powerful, and yet that's not how you did it. Well, the the density, if your muscles are have this tightness to them, then they're in that that's generally we're talking about your relaxed state and your relaxed state is much tighter than it should be. And the frequency of your nervous system or the vibration that your, your body is functioning on is much different than if you were in a, in a more relaxed state, things will flow through your body better and things, your systems aren't going to have to work as hard um, just for homeostasis, to, to it, this, there will be a, a better flow through your system. Um, so I see that as the way I, I describe it um, is is a shift kind of in a paradigm of thinking of strength as resiliency, strength as uh, adaptability, you know, the capacity to respond. That that's a different kind of core. A hydrated core or a fluid core becomes one that's very responsive to these proprioceptive gravitational, whether it's weight, 
because that's what weight is, right? It's informing us gravity-wise. We're, we're able to respond to it in a rebound, in a responsive way, so that what carries that lift isn't so much a dense tissue as you're in the flow of life, you're in the flow of gravity, you're riding that wave like a surfer rides, something right. like he once described it as that. He said, wow, it's kind of magical. It's just like, and I said, oh, that's ground force, what's called ground force reaction. You like really felt it. Right. Yeah. No, I think um, touching on the, the psoas muscle um, and all the work you've done over the years with that area really changed my scope and understanding more than just on the page in the book, but in my body of what and why that psoas muscle is there. And I've definitely gotten off of the psoas as a hip flexor paradigm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know you love that. But I broke out that of made that. my day. I broke okay. out of that a long time ago. Um, I remember when we met. But, uh, you know, I, the, the psoas muscle needs to be this, this viscous, supple, multi-directional yeah. tissue. It, it isn't a hip flexor that only moves in a flexion, moves forward. It moves backwards. It goes into extension. It does lateral flexion, being as it's, you know, the deepest tissue, uh, you know, right there next to the, the L-spine. Mm -hmm. And um, so this tissue needs to be hydrated and soft and supple and needs to be able to bend each direction. Um, it's not... Um, you know, it's not unidirectional and it's more like a filet mignon, which as you look at it, it doesn't have directional fiber in it. Mm -hmm. it it's like that grainy, well, if it's overcooked, but, <laughs> but it, 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 you can tell it, it can move each direction. Yes. Not, not, yeah. It's 360 degrees. Right. Yeah. Right. It really changes. So, um, what are some of your strategies? for what you call unblocking and unlocking proprioception besides the modalities we've talked about. Do you have some other ones you want to well, share Well, sure. Yeah, I mean, sure. Um, the, uh, I think a, a really big topic um, of discussion, and it's more than just one of these little subcategories, um, it, I want to bring this one right out, is ergonomics. Um, ergonomics is, is huge, and um, having the arches or the curves in our body supported um, whenever we can for relaxation is huge and so I, you're talking about things you sit on where you sit in your car where lying, you sit at your desk lying down lying down when you're sleeping the kind of pillow you have probably right. shoes you wear all those sure. things yeah things that we use every day yeah and most people i feel that their bodies don't know what a neutral position is and to relax at the same time, meaning you're supported at your lower back and your lumbar spine. That lordosis is being supported. The lordosis at your C-spine is being supported, and you're resting there in a very ergonomic way with your spine being held in a neutral position. Um, that was a, a therapy in and of itself for me that really began to allow me to begin to feel what midline really is and where, where my midline was because I was always held out of my midline 
is through my bad posture and positions. Well, that's, you know, this is, an, I think, like a key point of our conversation because a lot of the questions that come up have to do with how do I control the midline? Do I, do I pull down the ribs? Do I tuck the tail? Do I pull in the navel? How do I become strong in the core? And what I'm hearing you talk about is finding midline, finding the supple, responsive place in yourself that you're calling midline that where you're just supported, you don't have to do right. something. Right, exactly. Right. That's huge. And that's going to, we're looking to to decrease the resting tonicity, the, the, the resting state of, of, of our deep muscles. And if those deep, the deep musculature is under stress and having to work to support our structure, our spine and whatnot, because we're not holding it in a in a good posture in a good position um, there there begins a breakdown of the system right there and so finding what what a, a natural curve and and neutrality really is and to be able to relax there um, is is extremely extremely important and yeah this goes you know I think people sitting in front of computers is you know hazardous to their health in fact, I recently saw an article with all of the different um, ailments, mm -hmm. all the different ailments that, that arise in people's bodies from sitting at a desk, and it outnumbered the different ailments than smoking. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so, so there's a lot of, you know. And thus, we're doing a lot of hours. So the little time of rolling can't possibly be supported if we're not every day sitting on our tuberosities, finding that support for our bones, getting that information proprioceptively. Yeah, most definitely. So anything else you want to throw in there with the, um, well, I, especially the unblocking, unlocking proprioception. I think that's such an interesting concept. Like usually people are so focused on muscle tissue, muscle density, skeletal, and you're talking about the neurology of the system. So tell me how that applies to your core strength. Well, I, I feel that those systems are really uh, interdependent and so intertwined with each other. Um, a lot of people talk about, you know, well, uh, I'm not sure if I have, you know, a, a structural issue or if it's a muscular issue or if it's a nervous system, a neurology issue. And I say it's usually not the chicken or the egg, it's the chicken and the egg. Um, these systems uh, are interdependent and, and affect one another so closely that um, in getting your muscular system to relax, you allow the nervous system to flow through, and your structural system can also write itself, which... I mean, that's I don't, a very important concept. Yeah, I, I say that again. So the organism knows how to write itself in it, space it, and time. It really does. I feel like a, a bicycle; it, it will ghost ride without someone riding on it. If you keep a little momentum on it and just mm -hmm. let it go, it'll stay on its own two wheels and ride itself. Well, same way in the body. If you can gain this momentum of relaxation the structure underlying will write itself. Um, I have not been for a formal chiropractic treatment in, I believe, eight years. Um, and I had avidly gone for 20 or 25 years before that. 
Now, I'm not saying that, I mean, I, I believe chiropractic is important. I've just discovered a very passive means through my movement and relaxation, and I get the adjustments. Where you get the realignment, the alignment, the, 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 the alignment, if you will, through my passive mobility, mm -hmm. because the structure isn't being held up behind this tight tissue. Okay. And it's been amazing. I didn't, I didn't ever think I, you know, would be here. Right. So right. it's, it's right. wonderful. So let let's just go to why do you think things like, from a power lifting point of view and strength. Why would you never put your navel to spine, tuck your tail, do all those things that people believe, pulling down the ribs, kind of going into this contracted state as a way to find your power? Well, what I, is that about? How do you see that? Well, do you see it so differently? Well, that, well, see, that's good for just exercising the tissue. Um, but if you're talking about, like, maximizing your the ability of your core, you... When I, I recently went to um, the DNS, the Dynamic Neuromuscular course by the Prague School in Czechoslovakia, and they talk about the importance, uh, and this is what I've come to know through my practice of, of weightlifting and powerlifting and how to support the spine with, with your breath and with your diaphragm. Um, and it's not, um, it's not, drawing the belly button in it's actually filling the belly full of air um, and utilizing that intra-abdominal pressure IAP with uh, with the air in your diaphragm to support your spine and then to be able to maintain the posture and position that that you want when you're under stress so if you got to move a big plant outside you can do that in a safe fashion, but you want to draw air into your belly, into your diaphragm, and then you tighten up your musculature around that breath of air. And this is uh, and that's where this you, is how that's you, where you lift from. And that's how you exhibit true core strength, mm -hmm. um, which is you know different than doing repetitions of of, of exercises in the gym where you're maybe doing crunches or, or these type of movements, um, which you're just trying to exercise the abdominal tissue. Um, so core strength comes from utilizing your diaphragm to support, to help support your posture and your position. Okay. So um, I want to get to a few questions that people have, as well as eventually open it up to our audience to take a few questions. But before we do that, I want to talk about action potential because you use that word. I like that word, and I've never heard anyone use it besides you. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. But um, um, And I know that that has to do with really increasing your speed, flexibility, strength, all those wonderful things. But I want you to actually talk about this balance between what you're calling restoration and then, you know, so, so that you're building a continuous strengthen the system that's really holistic right well as i'm in my 40s now i'm finding this whole restoration process has become much more imperative and important for me to continue to get stronger um, and to increase my action potential if you will um, imagine a timeline from left to right with you know your contracted state on the right side and your relaxed state on the left side well, 
people are working on that right side, trying to in the gym and plugging away at all these weights and doing all these exercises, but they don't realize that they're drawing the relaxed state towards the contracted state, which is minimizing our action potential. We need to widen this margin. And in my 40s now, I actually do about a one-to-one ratio of exercise and restoration. So if I spend an hour in the gym or an hour out running, I'm going to do probably an hour of different restoration type modalities to heal my body and to make my continue to work on making my relaxed state more relaxed, not just working on making my contracted state more contracted. And so because people aren't focusing on on drawing that relaxed state back, which you can here's a you know not a perfect analogy, but a good analogy is maybe like drawing a bow back from a bow and arrow. Right and now, because that that bow is a better material, we can actually draw that bow back further. Mm-hmm. Right, and now that arrow, and now the yes, and now that arrow is also going to go further. So it's having having yeah. that having a, a more relaxed state um, as your uh, resting tonicity, and and not drawing that your resting state towards your contracted state, which eventually, you know, it happens and, you know, we're quote unquote locked up and you can't move. And that's when you have no action potential. Right. And so uh, we want to widen that margin. And so, like I said, I, I do probably about a one to one ratio incorporating different, different modalities of restoration um, and keep myself Supple and healthy. So when you do that one-to-one, let's look at a, a typical week for you um, working out. What do you what? Give me a give me a kind of a short run, you know, synopsis of how you look at your training. Okay. You- well, I generally do two to three weight training workouts a week, um, and then one or two uh, cardiovascular aerobic sessions per week. Um, so you know, if I'm training for four or five hours through the week, then I'm going to be also incorporating four or five hours of different modalities of restoration. So each morning might start off with, you know, a hot shower or a hot bath. Um, The showers aren't quite as good as the baths, um, but, you know, you can get a massaging shower head and do a lot of nice passive mobility work with the additional heat from the shower head on the particularly up in your C spine and a little bit up in the T spine. Um, so beginning with some heat and some passive movement there and then getting out and maybe doing 10 minutes of foam rolling. So I try to start each day with a little bit. You know, I've got my cup of coffee sitting next to me and I'm sipping that as I, as I do my rolling. And I think it's really important to to do this on the front end. Um, you know, not wait till you get home at night and go, oh man, my body's really tight. You know, get up and you know do some do some work on yourself to loosen your body up first thing. Um, yeah, I think it just it, it just it gets that proactive mindset and mentality going where you're not just trying to play catch up. And you're also hydrating your tissues because as we know, when we sleep at night, the tissue, uh, the connective tissue gets kind of sticky. And so, so that's where a lot of density and tension patterns start from. So it sounds like first thing in the morning, you're hydrating tissue so that it's responsive 
to everything you do, including how you sit in your car, or right. you actually can sense, you know, more awareness of your bones and where your muscles are, and that's what you're calling a, a neutral spine or midline. Well, let's go to a few of the questions. Um, and some of these we've kind of covered, but um, one person asked, what techniques have you found most effective for improving core strength in relation to increasing your deadlift? I think we've just kind of answered that, but is there anything you want to add to that as well? Um, well, again, getting your tissue, you know, more supple so that you can have a better, longer, harder, stronger contraction phase um, is going to benefit you know, all of your, all, you know, any strength that your body can exhibit. Um, but uh, specifically for the deadlift, say that just having your, as you've, as you've uh, loosened up the spinal erectors and all these deep muscles of the, the back, um, you can sense, we were talking about the neurology, you can sense the the posture and position that your back is in while you're doing the lift better. Um, mm -hmm. You know if your back is too rounded or some people actually are too arched or too extended. So you, you now have a new proprioception because you can sense where you're, how you're actually doing your posture and your position and you'll then be able to execute your deadlift with the the, the back position and posture that you're looking for because you can actually say you have that proprioceptive awareness to actually be able to sense that now it's not just picking up a weight right um here's another question um i've always heard that to protect the low back in forward bends one should contract the lower abdominals is this true um, I think that your abdomen can always help protect your back, uh, strong, strong abdomen. And again, using your diaphragm to take that, to help support your spine is a very important concept as well. So it's not just your lower abdomen, but it would be also your diaphragm and understanding how to incorporate that IAP or that interabdominal pressure um, to help support your back. So, yes, your lower abs, and then some. And then getting that supple, uh, hydrated midline. That that can move in all directions. Right? Sure. So, um, another question. Addressing the lower core versus the upper core, uh, do, how do you approach them? Do you work separately to develop them or together? Um, well, I think that it's nice to have movements that bring it all together where you know you're you're using your entire spine you're all the way from your sacrum to your c-spine and you're doing correct postures and positions and holding midline and being equal left and right with your impulses but then it's also nice to break it down and have movements or even in the relaxation uh, uh, modalities where you break it down in, into segments and you're just doing stuff at just your C-spine, you're doing some stuff work just at your T-spine or just at your L-spine and sacrum. So it's good to have, to be able to do these areas individually, but it's also really good then to do them together as a whole. There's a, um, you know, I think about how sometimes when you're trying to do something and because the purpose perception or the tissue is uh, dense or um, 
the, the neurology is firing. So all you're feeling is possibly the opposite of what you're looking for, for example, and that you don't have any sensation in where the actual impulse happens. And in most people who go to a gym, they're just doing that with no awareness if they're in the muscle they're actually activating or not, or there's no awareness. Where would someone begin? Is it with the hydration that you begin to unravel that whole proprioceptive disruption where you're getting firing, you know, like I did with the a couple of years ago with the front of my shoulder from a car accident and I couldn't sense the back. I couldn't actually sense the muscles, the triceps that were supposed to be activated. I felt all sensation in the front. Right. And you help me to just keep staying with that and keep doing it well, to build the proprioception. Right. And, and it takes time. I mean, this is, I mean, there's an art and a science mm-hmm. to this process and, and, uh, you know, being an, I feel that artful side of it and experiencing what's going on in your body and then continuing to to be in that artful process and trying to gain ground uh, by understanding and feeling your body um, is huge. It's, so you're really bringing somatics into it. That oh, the without, sensory awareness is like, is like when you're getting that cue of tension, sometimes, for example, you would have me back off of it because it was already firing too much. And other times you would have me kind of stay with it because I had both sensations going on. So I was building something while I was also kind of tolerating sure, it. Sure. And that's the artfulness of knowing how far to go for you. You're pushing right. something versus getting new information, even though the tissue is is not necessarily responsive. Can you want to say anything more about that? Because it's a really unique way of working. Yeah, well, again, I just the, there's an art and a science to it. And I think being in your body and working with someone and working or working with your body and learning it to a, to a deeper level um, is something that, you know, a page in the book can help and it can give us some pictures. But, you know, really, you know, experiencing these sensations in our body and, and uh, and having that artful approach to, to how we're taking care of ourselves. So you're paying attention to your sensation. You're paying attention. It's like you're really honoring what your organism is informing you. And you're, like, it's your attention seems to be really not on just the goal, but on, like, the process. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you got to put your thinking cap on and connect with your body. Um, you know, it's it's not a process of turn your brain off and turn your body on. You know, mm-hmm. this, and most people, I think, want to exercise in that fashion. And it just, you know, continues to further deteriorate the or exacerbate the, the negative states that you know, a lot of areas of our bodies are in. So it's, there's a learning and there's learning. You know, yes, there is learning from the page in the book, but there's learning that artful side of, of really connecting with our bodies. Right. There's no... No answer. You have to kind of do the exploration. Yes. Um, so another question that people ask is that whole idea about drawing the front ribs uh, towards the back ribs. And all. a lot of this is coming. There's several people who asked about like yoga poses and and how could these concepts be applied to a more static, you know, pose like that where there's a lot of times people are being told to pull the ribs in or to you know, create this kind of structure rather than sense from the inside out where they are in time and space. Do you want to speak to that at all? Because I know you you have actually incredible flexibility to your body. Well, I, I think that, 
So not yeah. only are you strong, but you have a lot of flexibility. And Well, know. I think in a yoga asana, um, you shouldn't generally, it's because it's supposed to be, you're supposed to be breathing. Now, I've only, I haven't taken the really advanced yoga that are, you know, with my feet behind my neck and jumping around on my hands. I've seen it. But I, uh, in the more passive modalities of yoga I've done, I've really, you know, strived to maintain my breathing, uh, through my core, not be very, really tight and rigid as I'm doing the different postures, um, and be able to maintain your breath. And so, um, in my experience with yoga, there wasn't a lot of being tight and drawing in. It was more trying to relax through your core as you were doing and breathe. And find and, position and, and find, find bone. And find, yeah. yeah, and find your posture while you do the different asanas and, and find comfort um, while you're able to maintain your breath. Um, and, that, and that's what I, I loved about you know my experience with yoga was the emphasis of breathing. And I just I try to bring that to the people's workouts and and obviously to the to the relaxation end of and restoration end of things. There's you know lots of lots of breathing, lots of bringing oxygen um, into our bodies and that that presence and that censoring that comes from focusing on the breath. There's a the last question I'm going to ask you is about someone who con uh, said, asked about scoliosis. So, for example, they're saying you know they've been weary of doing any kind of strengthening programs with like weights because of the imbalance. And I know that's something you've addressed with me and sure. with others. And like you say, almost everybody has some kind of scolotic pattern. So you go there about our funny little patterns that we all have, and some of us have more than others. Yeah, we all have these twists and bends to our spines that uh, are either as a result of our dominant patterns just because we're stronger on one side we're right-handed or or maybe we've got an injury that we're, we're compensating for and we're staying off of that and shifting away from it so we there's different reasons why we have these these uh, these functional scoliotic patterns in our back and kyphotic patterns um, but what we want to strive for is is um, neutrality and midline, being able to sense where that midline is, and then as you move in space and time, not have those compensations creep into your movement patterns, because those patterns of compensation are what are exacerbating our scoliotic positions and these curves, because we're shifting away from or to something or away from something. So learning to be centered with that movement pattern and send your neurology equally out and innervate the tissue left and right in an even fashion, um, that will at least begin to address the functional scoliosis that's going on. And in my own neck, I at one point had been diagnosed with you know, the stenosis and the flat neck and the, the thoracic outlet and even you know bone spurring that I could see in the in the uh, images of the X-rays um, and all of these states were resorbed after you know I got myself out of the you know pain and into neutral positions and and so mm, you can that's very you can, encouraging well yeah so it can be more than just the functional scoliosis or these, even when stuff goes structural, 
you can there there you can improve. It's, mm-hmm. Your body can actually stop laying down that matrix of calcium and that and depositing and and start to resorb it. And um, so you know even if it has gone to a structural level where your body has shifted, um, there, mm-hmm. there's still there's still room to improve. And, mm-hmm. So would you start with working with a little bit less weight? Where talk about how like you use a mirror to find. Midline, what talk about midline? How do you find that on your own? What would well, you recommend? Well, what I do is use I utilize a plumb line. So something behind you that's in a nice straight line, and you can actually see if you're looking forward in a mirror, you can see the the, the plumb line going out the top of your head and right down through your sacrum, down through your tailbone, between your legs, and it's amazing just as people even do their arm exercises or their shoulder exercises and they're standing there, they're actually often not holding midline. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, this the device like this is huge when we're talking about squatting straight or deadlifting straight um, with midline and bilateral equalization. But even movements just as simple as curls or, or lateral raises, um, People are shifted off into their scoliotic patterns without even realizing. Wait a minute, I'm not maintaining midline. Yeah, you're. So. You're. You're. Are you still designing something for that? Yeah, I have yeah. a little symmetrical yeah. device. I've been using a stretching device that I have that works as a nice plumb line. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's great. Well, um, I wanted to open it up for some of the people who are here to ask a few questions. Um, there's a fair amount of you online, but if you uh, want to star six and uh, ask a question of Derek, please come online and do that because it's just about an hour. And I, but I want to open it up, so you have to star six yourself. I'm going to unmute people as well. Do we have any questions? Just introduce yourself. Can you hear me? I can. Who are we talking to? Um, this is Pamela from Maui. Okay. Hi, Pamela. Hi. Um, I have a question. Um, I've been working with my psoas for a while, being my right side of my body has been so, like, locked up where just to lift my knee up, like, in a marching position, um, that it, 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 it hurts, like, the quadriceps and the, the adductors. And so I was wondering, um, it almost seems like my, uh, my quadriceps have turned off, like I'm getting a little atrophy. Uh, because this has been going on for eight months, and I wondered if he could address, um, you know, the muscles getting turned off and if that is atrophy. Yeah, sure. I mean, that sounds, I mean, you're right on track with what's going on. Um, when your psoas muscle is, is tight, it's not going to allow the nerves to flow out of your spine. And of course, we all know the sciatic nerve flows out, but the femoral nerve flows out down there, which goes right down through your hip flexors and down through the quads. And so that tight stress is constricting your femoral nerve's ability to come out through the facet joint 
and innervate that tissue directly. So, yeah, I would definitely say you're right on track with that femoral nerve that's getting blocked. So thank you. Um, anyone else want to ask a question? We're getting a lot of static people, like I can background information. If you're not asking star six for us, that would help. Um, so who's next? Another question? Hi, this is Ken from Torrance. Uh, we're, Derek, great job. Uh, where can we get more information? Um, well, my, my, my website is forestrengthrx.org. And, uh, and I'm going to give you the information on the, uh, the workshop. Our workshop is in New York City. So if you're East Coast and you want to come work with Derek, he's going to be in October And that's what we're going to work with. And if you want to uh, find out more information on that workshop or register for it, you can go on coreawareness.com and go under workshops and retreats, and you'll find it there. And it's a two-day workshop, and he's going to be teaching just what we've been talking about, how to how to develop strength without density and uh, how to gain effective restoration and, and how to actually use that roller and do some of the work that we're talking about. Another question? We have, uh, we'll take a couple more questions. No one. Speak up and say your name. Okay. We've got people. I don't hear anybody. Okay. Well, I'm going to. Yes. We got one. Okay. Oh. A live day. This is quick question. This is Nancy from Charleston, oh, South Carolina. How long of a process has this been for you to reverse some of this? You know, once you've discovered this, I mean, like how many hours a day or a week, how many years to dig back out of this hole? <laughs> well, okay. Uh, and that's a great question. And I mean, it can seem like, you know, when you're in a, in a chronic or, you know, a, 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 an acute chronic area that's been going on and it can seem like, you know, how can I ever get out of this pain? Um, when I got on this paradigm, um, which for me was about eight years ago, um, when I would really connect with some, some dysfunction, or some some really deep rooted chronic uh tightness in my body i would say it would take me about 6 months of diligent work on my own and i would be able to overcome what was going on in that area now that didn't mean i was healthy then 
You know, I mean, I got to a healthier state and I was non-symptomatic and continue even to this day to try to work on becoming healthier. Uh, but I would say even in a very, like in my T-spine or in my neck, um, where I was harboring some very, very deep pain, um, I would say it took me about six months time to get me out of that acute or chronic state that had been going on for years and years. Yeah. And so that's every day, like an hour a day, or just, I mean, you know. Well, just... um, I mean, it. I, I set up active recovery schedules with folks, and you want to make it so that it's livable. I mean, if you can do an hour a day and breathe and connect and, and 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 you know maybe break that up into two half hour sessions or three twenty minute sessions uh um, or even one you know long hour session that would be great but um you know I want to try to you know give people something that they can they can stick with I don't want them you know to to give them too much homework and then they can't do it so when well, you said working in the morning is a really like you get more out of it than work night when it comes to restoration well, work? I think it's important to get it in. It's important to, that, you know, you got to get it in. And some people, well, it's just not going to work out where you can do it in the morning. You can just, you know, you get home mm -hmm. at night and that's time to do it. And that's great. But I really feel for myself and for folks that I've worked with that have incorporated an AM or a morning restoration or rehabilitation okay. session for themselves. And maybe you do a little something at midday. And, you know, maybe you do a little something at night. Um, but again, you don't want to, I wouldn't want to overwhelm you. This is stuff that's enjoyable and, 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 and stuff that you would, once you start doing it, uh, it's, um, it picks up that kind of that momentum because, you know, you can just tell you're on the right track and, and you're moving the right direction. And so it empowers you to, to want to do it more. I want to break it down just a tiny bit because you're actually really skilled, uh, in your artfulness about how to finesse. So let's talk about finessing. Okay, so you go into an area of your body that's harboring pain. How do you actually, just talk a little bit of how you finesse that area. How do you know do you keep going? Because some, some people then get reactions. Right? Sure, sure. And, then, and so, you know, there needs to be a little hand-holding along the way here and showing people the right positions to, to move towards. But that's just it. You want to learn to move towards uh, these positions over the roller and whatnot, um, and uh, not just drop into them arbitrarily and go too far um, and give your body a jump response or a trigger response. Um, you want to be able to uh, finesse and, and milk the tissue and so that it's, you know, uh, this is um, not going to take you to that, to that reactive type of state. And I know at first, when it's unfamiliar, we're trying to kind of look for it. Okay, what what's going on with this movement? And 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 all of a sudden, you get a seven out of ten, and you give you give you a little zinger, and that's important to learn. Wait a minute, I don't want to go quite that far with with these movements. We want to keep them. Um, I mean, if you're acute, we want to keep them at a two out of ten, and just breathe into that tissue, or maybe even a one out of ten with your sensation, depending on how acute it is. Um, if the tissue is healthy, you can move farther and farther and, and try to maybe, you know, bring this up to a seven or eight out of ten sensation, um, like doing a deep stretch, if you will, where you're really feeling it. But that tissue better be healthy if you're asking your body to give you, uh, um, you know, that type of uh, response. So 
again, if it's compromised tissue where, where we're injured um, and we're doing movements, I think it's important to keep it at a, a 1 out of 10. And then maybe you take a deep breath. And just through the inhalation, you can feel the sensation move to a 2 out of 10. And then you exhale, and it goes back to a 1 out of 10. And you inhale, back to a 2 out of 10. So we're working in this very passive um, area with our breath. And a lot of attention. And a lot of attention, yeah, with a lot of attention to the area and how just your breathing is affecting it. Right. Thanks, Nancy. Thank you. We'll take one more question and we'll stop. Last question? No takers on that last question. Well, Derek, thank you so much for taking your time to be with us. Oh, Liz, and, thank you so much. Yeah. And, uh, My pleasure. And once you get everybody, you can either call in and, uh, and listen to this again or share it with them if you want. Call in the uh, number that you got using the same uh, password code. Or uh, it'll be on... Uh, coreawareness.com and you'll be able to listen to it as a podcast. You won't have to use the phone. You can just um, you know, hit the button and there you'll have it. So that will be coming up. And if you can come to New York and join us, please do. And again, um, Derek's website is Core Strength RX. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thank everybody. You. Thanks, everybody so much.